I just like listen to Jimbo pray because it's just kind of, it's got that real bassy thing. It just kind of, his voice just kind of massages your insides. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yes, uh, we are in um, chapter three of Colossians. <clears throat> and there's only four chapters of Colossians. And uh, it's interesting because uh, the third chapter, I think, is the climax. And if, you, if you're writing a story, you know, you have rising action, climax, falling action, you know, and then resolve. So chapter four is kind of like the, the, the falling action. But there's interesting things in there. But this chapter here, everything we've been talking about kind of builds up to this chapter. And I'm probably going to split this up into two weeks, this week and next week. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. We'll just see how far we get. Um, and so... Just as a refresher, uh, we've been talking about what Colossians have been talking about, Christ. And who is the Christ? What is the Christ? And, uh, you know, John, John brought up something last week after he said, you know, there, you know, Christ is more than a king. He's also a priest and a prophet, you know. And, yes, I know that, and, and, and I, I, I would love to get into that, especially if I go into Hebrews because Hebrews really goes into, into that. And we, you know, that's, that was my second choice of teaching. You know, Hebrews was during the early part of the uh, season was really speaking to me. But in this part, uh, we've been playing up as Christ, who is the King of Kings, as the synonym for Christ. The King of Kings, Messiah. And the reason I want us to understand that portion of Christ and also from the Colossians' point of view, is the reality of authority. Because the authority that Christ has as the King of Kings is the authority, all authority. It doesn't get any more authoritative than Christ. And it's interesting because you think about Jesus as the King of Kings, the, the Christ who's, who was and is and is to come, comes to this earth in human form so that we can see what God would look like and be like as a human being. But then that Christ, Jesus Christ, gave his disciples, says, some keys. You remember what those keys were, Michael? Michael's always my go-to. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Half credit. Always answer Jesus if you don't know. Half credit. What were the keys that Jesus gave to his disciples? Does anybody remember? Keys to the kingdom. Yes. Keys to the kingdom, which is interesting to me. I love, okay, I've got, if, if people don't like giving me keys because I lose them, <laughs> sometimes they'll get washed or they get left. James, I think, is probably worse than me about keys. Um, but it's interesting because people I have, you know, I obviously have keys to this building to get in, you know. Um, got keys to other buildings. I got keys to very places. Like, people trust me with the fact that I can, something that's been locked, that they'll give me a key, I can open and get in there and, you know. And it's interesting because when Jesus gave his disciples keys to the kingdom, it's interesting when you say that, you know, you've heard that preached probably because you, you spat it out, keys to the kingdom. What does that mean? 
You know, and I, when I was first taught that, again, I, the kingdom always conjured up because in Florida, you live in Orlando or you, live, you know about the kingdom in Orlando. It's magic kingdom. You see it in all the movies. You know, I love all the movies that Disney has because I love the, the whatever it had. They have the, the king, the kingdom, the palace, and you see, you know, Tinkerbell making the little bow over it. And you get excited because it's going to be a Disney movie. It's, it's, there's the kingdom, you know, because you think of a, a kingdom, you think of a castle. And so whenever you say keys to the kingdom, we always kind of look up, and I, well, at least I did when I was younger, and thought about a, a, a castle in the sky. And I got these keys, and somehow I, I have access to that. And so there's, there's, and there's some illusion, there's some things that, hey, when we, uh, we now can come into the very throne of God, I mean, there's, there's another kingdom or throne, we can come to the very throne of God in the heavenlies. So we have some idea that there is something up there. But it's interesting because Jesus kept saying when he was on this earth, as the king of kings, he says, the kingdom is now here among you. So it takes it from just, I got a key and I just got to jump high enough to unlock that cloud. <laughs> okay, I, I felt that way, that someday I'll be able to open things and go explore what he's given me, the keys to his kingdom, to the fact that when he came in, he said, no, the kingdom is here now. And when it started, it hit me. I was like, okay, what is he talking about? How can I use it? I'm very practical. If you're going to give me some keys, I want to open every door I can. The first time I opened this door, I went to every single door. I said, what's back here? He even surprised what's back here. You know, there's a, you know, if we really want to do a performance, there's a backstage. You, know, you can go back and pop out from the back. You know, I'm, I'm looking at all the stuff. Stephen said, you know, Stephen is like that. He goes into a place and he instantly explores every room in Nook and Cranny. You know, and he tells me everything that else was back there. <laughs> like, I didn't want to know that. But, you know, what do the bathrooms look like? You know, and that's how I am with the kingdom. If, he, if he's giving us the keys to his kingdom, what can we find? And what does it mean to do that? What can I unlock? And this is when it got very real for me, the, the revelation of the fact that the kingdom is here now. And where is the kingdom located? Where is he establishing his kingdom? In our hearts. Yes. And it's interesting, up to this point, you have to understand, the Jewish followers, his disciples, were talking, thinking about the kingdom. The kingdom's going to be established here in Jerusalem. We're going to take over the world. And that's, that was actually, that is a truth. That there is a coming time when Jesus Christ is going to come back and rule this planet from that nation. You see it all. It's called the millennial reign. You know, there's, there's a lot of theological discussion about what does that look like. Da, 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 da. But I really believe he's coming back to rule from that place. But Jesus kept saying, no, it's now and it's here now. And he kept saying, and I'm doing it. I'm establishing my kingdom in and on the hearts of human beings. And it's interesting because the way he did it, he wasn't, he wasn't a lot of kings in the days we, we see as conquering kings who would go out and fight over territory. You know, Game of Thrones, all right, that type of mentality. You see it in the Old Testament. You know, people say, oh, Game of Thrones, that's kind of, but if you read the Old Testament, you see what happened to Israel. <laughs> After you had a good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king. And they were killing each other. They were killing family members. They were doing all this. The Old Testament is not something for young eyes. It's, 
if you want to have teach your kids the Old Testament, just have them watch the Game of Thrones. They're like, oh, there's all this stuff. It's all in the Bible too. And it's probably even more disturbing what happened. And so we have so, and every time we think about kingdoms and we think about people fighting for territory, we have these ideas that we're, there's a conquering king. And Jesus is actually considered a conquering king. But how does he conquer our hearts? How has he gone after our hearts? There's some scriptures that say it's his loving kindness that leads to repentance. And behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, as opposed to a conqueror king, bust through the door, I'm here, Jesus, let me in. You know, oh, no, you don't let me in. I'm in anyways. You know, anybody oppose me? I do. You're dead. I own you. And the crazy thing about his kingdom and giving us the keys to his kingdom, and I, 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 I started realizing that he's giving us the keys to people's hearts. And the one thing I want you to hear about this and the authority that we've been given and all this stuff that he has passed on to us, once he, once he took his rule on this planet and conquered death, took it away from the God of this world, said, now I have the keys also to Sheol. I want you to hear this tonight because I could go on about get into Christ as the prophet, Christ as, you know, all the, and there are so many more things. You start going that role as prophet and priest. You know, your brain just goes, I mean, because that's all, there's a, it's alluded to here in Colossians also. But what I want you to see is the fact that Christ as a conquering king, when he was done with his discipleship on this planet, with his 12 knuckleheads, he said, all right, I no longer call you a slave to a master or a teacher to a student, but I'm going to call you my friend. And you can call me a friend. The core of the gospel, the core of everything that Paul and all, and Paul was a very intelligent scholar of all the scripture. He, he admits it. He was raised in it. And then Paul says, I consider that all loss to knowing Christ. And that, that, that word is not just knowing about him, but knowing him and him knowing me. In fact, it's probably more important that he knows you. And that has the idea of that knowing, and I keep, I've said this several times, that knowing is the same type of word that we use and the Bible has used as sexual intimacy. Now, he's not talking about sexual intimacy in, in these things, but he's talking about intimacy. Knowing you that deeply as a friend. And, and Paul took all that knowledge, and I count that as loss, just to know him that way and for him to know me that way. If I get anything right in this gospel, I want to get that right, that this gospel is about relationship and not a, sir, yes, sir, but I love you and I like you. <laughs> Agape used to bother me. The agape love, you know, every, he got loves everybody. I'm like, no. 
Well, have you ever heard somebody say, I, I love you, but I really don't like you? <clears throat> well, then don't give me that love. <laughs> you know, it won't be all spiritual on me. That's, that stunk. <laughs> you know, I hate you too. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like don't, don't, don't tell me you love me, and then, but you don't like me. God, God in his, and this is what blows my mind about the gospel, that all of, all of the whys of the universe, to me, are answered in that. God, and I've put it this way so many times, is a hopeless romantic. He created a world where we could, we don't have to. It's a risk. It's a risk the way he has decided to love. But he can't help himself because that's who he is. And he's sharing his most intimate parts of him by sending his son into a world that is going to probably kill him for loving this way. And the, and the truth of the gospel has gotten, so, sometimes we get so far away from relationship and we go into what, what, how much knowledge we have of Jesus. This always grounds me. And it's the gospel according to Paul. Because Paul always says, now if somebody else comes to you with a different gospel than the one I'm giving you, because what does Paul say? I am convinced that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. How deep, how wide, how... This guy has changed. And he's willing to throw all his education away. He's willing to throw his reputation away just to know and be known. Remember I told God put a, a little in, eternal scratch in our heart. He says, I placed eternity into man. And it was for this. And now Facebook has kind of got into it because, you know, we want to be liked. They're, they're, Facebook is scratching that little eternal itch and they've captured something because how quickly, you know, that was, that was so, I mean, put a like. It wasn't a love button. It was a like button. And people still want, did you like when I took that picture? You know, what, what was the angle? There it is. <laughs> Do you like me? Do you accept me? Do you think I'm cool when I do this? <laughs> it's in our hearts to be known, to be liked. But Jesus' love is all about, this kingdom is all about intimacy, all right? And I just want to make that clear because I am addicted to it. Everything that revolves around my life revolves around this. I'm pretty simple if you want to know it. <laughs> Come down to it. I'm pretty simple. You know, um, I've given my whole life to this. I, and I surrender. Me and James were talking. He likes talking theology once in a while. He'll read a book and go, hey, Dad, what about this? I get that a lot. He's just even in, from some old side. You know, I got people text me all the time at night. And they're going, hey, what about, you know, can God create a rock too big that he can't carry? You know, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, one that I always like to tell about God, I was like, can you know something that God doesn't? <laughs> oh, of course not. He's omniscient. <laughs> I said, but what about the part where he says he forgets your sin? <laughs> oh, I just remember that yesterday. He said, he's forgotten it. 
I know something that God doesn't. Well, shame on you for remembering it then. <laughs> Why are you still under it? <laughs> you know, God's already the guy. But my point, my point with this, this stuff is the fact that, you know, when James was talking about some of the, the theology, I was like, listen, James, I said, I came to a point a long time in my early ages of this walk because I, in my 20s, I got challenged by an atheist and by somebody else who was messing around with, uh, you know, some uh, new age stuff, you know, talking about Egypt and their understandings and all this stuff. It, 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 as a young, it, it sent my theological world for a spin, which I think was good. But then I weighed everything out. I felt like Solomon. I weighed everything out in life. <laughs> what is life worth living for? You know, and I said, if there is no loving God, just say there's not, and this is it, I know what I would do. I would make a ton of money. And I'd do a lot of things that made me feel really good. Because with money, you can, this is biblical, in this life, money is the answer to everything. If you don't think that's a scripture, it's in Ecclesiastes. I, that's what I would do. If this is it, and there is not, this, this love thing isn't real, I would just make a ton of money. And I saw a lot of people with a ton of money. And then you, you see them in headline news later, and marriages are broke. Things that are happening, scandals that are happening. I knew people personally who that's what they went after, and I was like... And it didn't have to be the rich. I also knew a lot of poor people who were going after it. <laughs> and they were really, really stumped because they're going after it. They're not having it. And they still have all the problems. So I came to a conclusion in my life. I, said, listen, listen. I put myself on my deathbed. Even Solomon says to do this. Think about the day of your death. It's better to think about the day of your death than the time you're born. So our happy birthday, <laughs> we should change that. You know? We should celebrate our happy death day sometime. You know, let's think about that. Well, that's disturbing. But I put myself, I said, what would I want? Now, my last day on earth, what would I want to be around me? My job, my money, or the people who know me, and I know them. It was a no-brainer at that point. I'm like, yeah, no. I want those who love me to be around me, and I want them crying because I'm about to leave. And I'll cry too because I'm about to leave them because they know me. And so my value system changed at that point because now I realize that the kingdom of God is here. Christ gave us the keys to it. So, Lord, teach me how to unlock human hearts that they would invite me in to their life. Because why? Because guess who lives inside of me when somebody invites me into their life? Guess what lives inside of me? Christ, the King of Kings, has now been invited into somebody's life. Oh, you know, because I used to have this thing, I got to have them say the prayer so they can accept Jesus. The moment they've accepted me into their life, guess who they've accepted? By default, without them even knowing it. Christ. 
This is why where you work, where you play, where you what you do is important because now you are living the living body of Christ. Where you go, you bring him. You are expanding the kingdom. And this is where I tell people, you're discipling people even before you tell them that Jesus loves them because you're loving them. There are so many people that like, they, they finally get to know me and they finally get to realize and they've known me for years. You're a pastor? Because in their mind, you're on stage. <laughs> you know, somewhere talking about Jesus. Even our little soccer club that we started last year, or last uh, fall, everybody who was out on that field, guess what? Jesus was coaching little kids. He was coaching little kids, teaching them, come on guys, don't beat up little Sue, don't throw a tantrum, you know, try harder, you'll get it, you're crying, let me help you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that just so natural to move into? But the reality is we, sometimes we walk in those fields and we don't know who we are. So we start doing things in our own strength and we start free, you know, and, and that's the reality. It's, it's not that complicated. Once you accept Christ, and sometimes even before you accept Christ, You start becoming who he is. And so as I start looking at it, the keys of the kingdom have been given to me. I am consumed with this. How can I love this person? Because I found out the biggest key is love. So if there's anything I want to become an expert at while I'm on this life, besides building surfboards and catching air this year, that was one of my goals, <laughs> catch air consistently on a surfboard. I'm even going to a skate park to accomplish that, you know, try to get used to dying on a skateboard. Um, I'm becoming an expert in how to love others so that I can help them. And it's interesting because this love is not self-seeking, so it has no, how do you call it? Uh, I'm going to love Michael so he can give me something back. (laughs) I don't want his yoga pants, but... <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because the world's love is that way. Even for most of the corporate church's love is that way. I want you for your gifting. You know, you could run my youth ministry. I see you out there with those kids. You're good with them. But you want, you know, what people really want to know? Do you see me for who I am? Do you do you actually like me, Pastor Jim? For who I am. And see, this is, what, this is what happens because my wife works with some people who will never quite be able to repeat the gospel back because their, their IQs or something is just, it's not there. So how does Christ relate to them from a knowledge standpoint? My wife shows up every day and lets them love, she, she loves on them and they love on her. They drool on her. And they, don't, they can't say a single word. Well, one kid can say oval. That's his own word. Oval. And they told Jen that he'll never, he, this is, this, that's his only word, oval. But then she kept working with this, and they, this was a high-profile kid who had broken his arm because he was Spider-Man. He thought he was Spider-Man. He was climbing everywhere before she came. They get school got sued, so Jen has to step in as Christ to love this kid. And she showed me the video when he said, what was it? I, I did it all. 
I did it all. All of a sudden, this kid is spending some time with my wife, who is Christ incarnate right now as the body of Christ. This kid, all of a sudden, they said, wasn't experienced a miracle. And I saw it, and I just wept. I was like, oh, my gosh. Why? Because Christ has entered his school and is posing as a teacher. And this is the cool thing about our lives because this is, to me, it's like the Matrix, you know, when Trinity wanted to, she didn't know how to fly a helicopter, so they had to download a helicopter pilot into her brain. So I'll say, 10 seconds, she's able to, okay, I got it. I'm going to fly this helicopter. If you surrender to Christ and you become an expert in the kingdom and you start opening the doors of people's hearts, he may take you all over the world because you're finally willing to go. The thing that stops us from doing this is, number one, we don't believe it quite. We don't believe Christ, who's who he is, and we don't really believe who we are in him. But the one thing that really stops us is the fact that I will back to the first thing that I talked about, money. Money. And this is why Jesus kept saying, you can't serve both. And somehow it snuck into the Christian world that, well, you need the money to do the good things that Christ wants you to do. Lie from the enemy who, the God of this world, he's running this entire world by money. It's his system. It's his system. And we run around slaves to it still. And we find ourselves worn out because we're still trying to do both. It's even worse. I'm saying, man, just go serve the money and go do good things. Don't try to follow Christ because you're going you're gonna to end up hating it. I didn't say that. Jesus actually said that. You actually either love one or hate the other if you do both. What I find most people is they burn out because they're trying to do both. And so this is where I see the power of God has kind of tapered off in the body, in the church, because we have chosen money to accomplish the works of Christ. Where's the power of God gone? We don't need it. We got, I got a million dollar ministry. I just go give to the poor. Isn't that good? Aren't I a great rich young ruler? <laughs> so I want to be very clear on this tonight so you understand where I'm coming from, where Paul's coming from. You see this in his letters when he's writing to these people. Chapter four of his letter is him personally writing the names of the people that he loves and who have helped in ministry. And he's saying, he's going, guys, please just get along. (laughs) And so I say this to Zach. Zach, if you get moved out somewhere next time, you know, in your soccer world, and you go on the field, you're representing the kingdom, and the Lord will give you the keys to somebody's heart. And this, is, and this is where you go, pay attention. He's put me in this marriage. He's put me in this job. He's put me in this place. What's important here? The people. <laughs> the people. This is where his kingdom is going to be established. And how does it happen? You loving them. Eventually, what's going to happen is they're going to say, Eventually, and any relationship happens like this. It's very natural. If I, if I start being in Stephen's life, and after a while, he's like, gets to know me a little bit. He's like, you know, hey, and we talk. All of a sudden, and this is how it's always happened. I was like, 
Yeah, I uh, want to introduce you to somebody. My best friend. Jesus Christ. You talk to him? Yes. He talks back? Yes. That's the best part about prayer. It's not me making my petitions known. It's when he says something, I go, prayer now is cool. When, when you start hearing him. So, and that puts a very strain on relationship. It's like, okay, you're listening to voices in your head. Now he has a decision to make. Man, he's really nice. He's loved me. And man, I see the joy in him. And I've seen some crazy things. With He has a decision now. I'm either now the stench of death or smell of life. Because now I've, I've exposed my secret identity. <laughs> I got a best friend, invisible friend, who I talk to, and he talks back. <laughs> oh, man. So please understand that. That's why, for the majority of the time, if people wanted to know me as a man of God, I didn't invite them to a platform to watch me speak. Way before that, I probably invited you into my home, and for the most part, probably to live in my home. Come see the real me <laughs> in all its glory. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you'll know me. I can, you can know me up here, but you wouldn't know me. So I'll end with this on the keys to the heart. Love languages. Have you ever heard of the five love languages? French, Spanish, Portuguese. <laughs> the romantic. <laughs> Those are romantic love language. <laughs> so French is pretty good. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I love by, there's, a, there, there's more than these, but the five they talk about, I love by uh, giving gifts and also receive by giving gifts. Gifts will get people, or I, gifts of acts of service is one. Quality time, you know. Are you a quality time person, or you know, are you somebody who does acts of service uh, to express love? And it's an issue because you know you go through these five love languages, and I love that because to me those were keys to get to know somebody, to, and so that they could feel my love. That's why when that book came out, I was all over. It's like here's the keys to the kingdom. This is what love is, and if I get good at, I was only good at really two of them. Touch, I was like way down <laughs> low. Acts of service, way up there. Quality time. Words of encouragement. You know, gifts and touch. Where the gifts are way at the bottom. <laughs> touch is probably fourth. I think in, in my trying to learn a new language, I wanted to learn all five. Because then I would have better chances of getting to somebody's life. Including my wife's. My wife has all five. They're equal. And like on a, another level <laughs> of important. Maybe acts of service a little bit lower. Because <laughs> to love her, I would try to understand. I would try to wash dishes and clean the home, clean before she came in. She wouldn't notice. I, was, I felt a little rejected. I'd come home and wash her, you know, see, you know, how cl- clean the house is. or waiting for, you know, a big thank you. And she's just like, oh, whatever. She noticed. I'm loving her. And I realized, words of encouragement, gifts, I'm still bad at that one, but words of encouragement. She'd come home and I would just tell her something true about her. 
how beautiful she looked. And she still does this day. When I tell her she's beautiful, she just she has this little. <laughs> and now all of a sudden we're connected. Why? Because I'm intentional about this stuff. It has consumed me. Because what I have found is, even if she doesn't respond to it, what I have found, even I still love her because now just the act of loving her, I experience Christ. You imagine Christ, all right? He loved this world so much, the people who love, they killed him. <laughs> As he was loving them to the cross, they mocked him. But what I have found is that it loves myself thinking. It hopes for a response. Don't get me wrong. It hopes for a response. But the hope is actually wrapped up in the things that we're serving Christ. We're serving God the Father. He asks us to love him. Guess what happens when we love others? God loves us. He knows us. That's him knowing us. Whether they respond or not, God knows who we are. And you ask any person who has loved, any parent who has loved a child who maybe can't talk, can't speak, can't move. And in this culture, we think, what a waste of time. You should have just got rid of that baby. I'm like, no, I have the opportunity to love God with all my heart, all my mind and strength for the rest of my life by loving this child. And we miss this. We miss this type of love. We miss this kind of being known by God because God says, if you, and I told you, it's more important to be known by God. How do you be known by God? He says, if you wanted me to know you, when I was sick, did you come help? When I was this, could you come help? When I was in jail, did you come visit? Well, no, that wasn't you. That was so-and-so. They didn't deserve me visiting, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, all of this is spirit-led. So understand where Jim Powell is coming from tonight. As we read this and, and him, we're wrapped up. We've given everything to know and be known. First and foremost, by the God of this universe. And that overflows into all our relationships. And this is where the climax comes. Because if this becomes your very own passion, and it doesn't matter what your job title is, it doesn't matter where you're working, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter... The only passion in life is to know and be known by the Father through Jesus. Your life changes. You're no longer chasing your tail like the rest of the world. It doesn't matter anymore. Because our hope is not in this planet and what we become. Our hope is in a future life with Christ. So, let's read. Colossians chapter 3. And this, again, is in the New Living Translation, the NLT. Living the new life. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of this earth. For you died to this life, not the things, or for you died for the, to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ 
in God. Now, this is the hard part because we don't talk about heaven hardly at all anymore. Because it's, it's a metaphorical cloud and rainbow with unicorns. Now, when we talk about heaven, and I take this scripture very literal that when it says that God's throne is up there, remember the word heaven in, 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 in the scriptures is talking about the sphere that we live in. It's called the universe. It's a better universe. Up there somewhere, and we look up into the stars. I love looking at the stars because I wonder, is your throne in that one? Is, that, is it this close? Can I see it? In, is it in our galaxy? I want to go there. I think Paul, I, I was telling like, me and God always, you let Paul see it. It changed his life, and then he could preach better. <laughs> so I'm like, I, you know, I, I, and it's like Paul had to go through a lot of suffering. <laughs> going, maybe I don't, maybe I'll just wait. <laughs> maybe I'll just wait. The revelations can wait. But we always, but, 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 but really, man, if I could just go to your home planet where your throne is. But the reality is, and I, I say that with everything in me because you understand, when God created this earth, this was paradise. This planet was supposed to be paradise, heaven. It's a place where God was with man. And you gotta understand, this, this was, this, that excites me because I don't get excited about harps and rainbows the way we picture heaven. But I do get excited about trekking in the Congo to go play with some apes to find the Mokalembi, which is a dinosaur that's supposedly been spotted in, a, in there. It's advent- it was adventure. Adam and Eve named all the animals, which means they were supposed to take dominion, but they named them. They were like their pets almost. Their relationship with the animals was that close where they actually named them. Come here, Mufasa. <laughs> Can I get a ride? <laughs> you know? Let's go see some antelope. <laughs> At, I mean, it's a very real place, is my point. The next life is going to be very real. But we don't think of it in those terms. But I just want you to understand that, it's, and, and, and we get glimpses of it through Scripture. But I think we get more glimpses of it on this planet. And then people still escape to the ocean. They, when they really want to get away, they go into the mountains. They get away from everything that's man-made, and they get back into what God had originally designed. That's amazing. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. There's just a knowing that, man, I just need to get to the ocean side, or I need to go into that mountain and just look at that waterfall. Or I need to be in the African safari plains and go, whoa. Because it, it puts you in awe. I know Dawn said Australia is the place. And she said, I said, what part? She likes the, the, the more wild side of Australia. Yeah, the west side of Australia. There's something that, that and you got to understand, that's, the next life is going to be that plus no pollution, no, no, no crazy stuff that's going on. He says he's going to, you know, the lion and lamb are going to be together. They're not going to be in each other. It's just, but it's still going to be like, <gasps> And we get new bodies to explore it forever. Yes, please. As excited as I get to think about going to Western Australia, which I think would be really cool, my hope is I can't wait to get to the new universe that he's going to create, the new earth, the new universe. I want in. 
I want in because I already see here what was intended. And you can see it still through what we've, how we've handled it. It's not very pretty when you go in the oceans and see all the plastic. They went to the Mariana Trench and they found human plastic all the way down there. Human trash. This is what we've done. We have, that's the deepest place you can go and there's plastic all on the bottom of it. I want to go to a place where all that's done with. I want to build things. I want to wrestle with angels. I want to see if I'm faster. <laughs> I bet you can't play soccer. <laughs> Y'all surf? I believe it. So this life, eh. I've actually died to it. Why? It has nothing for me in terms of And so if you want to understand some of this stuff and start changing your life, you got to start. It says, it says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Think, be intentional. Think about it. Not the things of this earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And I like the way he says that because that's what I've been trying to tell him. Our real life, people don't know I'm a pastor. People don't know I'm a Christian in terms of like, I'm not out there passing tracks out, which is, is okay. If you do that, that's okay. I've done it. But what I'm after is your friendship. Honestly. <laughs> Because I know if you let me in, you're letting the God of this universe come close to you. And whatever stage you're in, I mean, I've discipled people for 20 years before they've finally said yes to Christ. It took that long for them to trust me in their life. Man, when they do, when they finally just say yes, I'm still doing that to our body. Because what I told before, some of us are still serving both. I'm over here today. I'm over here tomorrow. God's cool. Thing. You know, we do this dance all day. We're lost. I'm just trying to get people to jump over here and stay here. That stuff. God's voice is the only thing that matters in my life. What he says goes. Period. The end. If I don't hear him today, I'm shaking. So being hidden with Christ is this key that when you go into your workplace, when you go into the things, your life, your real life is hidden in Christ. They don't know why you're there. I'm not here, and I tell people, I'm not here for my paycheck. When I went to Hampton to Bose, I'm like, well, God's called me back here. I fought it. <laughs> he told me while I was vacationing out here, you're going back to Hampton to Bose. I'm like, no, I'm not. Been there, done that. You're moving me out to the beach, right? Right? He says, nope, you got to go back. And when I finally surrendered to it, I tried to get Jimbo to go first. I, that was part of the argument. Jim's ready. <laughs> he's a teacher. He's, he's, got, he's got administrative things. I, don't, I, I wanted to be out of school in ninth grade. 
I have a high school diploma. He's already got that college stuff. Send him. <laughs> he said, no, you're going. I got on campus, walking around. I said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? He, I looked at all the kids playing. Make them feel special. Simple. So what did I do? What did I have to offer them? Well, I'll teach them soccer. I'll teach them how to work. I'll teach them that, but I'll make them feel special, and they'll know me, and I will know them. But my real life is hidden in Christ. Everybody say, your real life is you were a, you were a dean of Hampton DeBose Academy. Before that, you were a vice president of a German company. Uh, before that, you were a uh, general manager of Apopka Printing. And before that, uh, you're also a coach. And, and, and also, you're a president of a soccer club. All these identities are like, my real life is not any of those things. My real life is wrapped up in all the people that are under these places and the things that are going because I'm loving the heck out of them. <laughs> and it's tiring. <laughs> My real life is hidden in Christ at night when I'm interceding for people who I've just met that they would know him the way I know him. Because if they just did, if they just knew Christ the way I knew Christ, their problems would be solved. real life and your real life would be hidden in him. I love that. Verse four, and when Christ, who is your life, get that, and when, this is, he's hoping, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, then you will share in all his glory. Now, you understand, okay, and I'm going to end with this, because I was raised on platform ministries. If you wanted to serve Christ, you needed a platform so that the world would see you in all your glory, so that you could bring Christ glory. Because if you're on stage, and whatever your stage is, and I want to tell you this, because whatever your stage is, this is something that has crept into the church, that you need a platform. You need to be seen. Christian artists, Christian music artists get this all the time. If I could just get into the charts and sell a million, then I could proclaim Christ. And the world would know who Christ is. I mean, I think every rap artist who gets up on stage after you have bleeped up half of their lyrics, they'll get it. I just want to thank Jesus Christ and my mom. Are you serious? You kiss your mom with that mouth? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> well, what do you mean? And we look at that. We look at, oh, you know that, that one Hollywood type? They, 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 they said they were a Christian. <gasps> let's invite them to church. If they come to church, let's have them talk. You don't know them. You don't know how they treat their family. You don't know what they're doing. But we love the platform you know, and I see a lot of young kids being raised up to say, hey, promote yourself, promote yourself so that you can promote Christ. And here it says, Christ is your life, is revealed. When he's revealed to the whole world, then you will share in all his glory. If, and, and, and you understand that glory is nothing bad. Glory is fame. But it's, 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 if you're chasing it in this life so that you can represent Christ, you're chasing the wrong thing. 
Now, there are people who aren't chasing that, and they get promoted. There's plenty of saints in the Old Testament. Poor Joseph. (laughs) He had these big dreams of glory when he was young, right? Even the sun and moon were bowing down to me, you know? And his dad's like, oh, gosh. He's my favorite child, and all his brothers are really going to hate him now. (laughs) Big dreams of glory. And then he went to what? Into a hole. (laughs) And he got sold as a slave. Then he promoted himself as a slave to the owner of a house. Then he got into prison. (laughs) You know, he was still wanting glory because when those those people came for him to interpret a dream and they finally got one right, he 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 told the guy who was going back to the king, remember me when you go back to your king. Two years later. (laughs) But all in one day, he was promoted. Why? Because God knew now he could handle it. Because in the scriptures, if you read about Joseph, it says, and God tested his character until it was time. So I'm not saying anybody who's promoted is not, I'm just saying if it's in our hearts to seek it and that's what Christ needs, we're wrong. Our lives are hidden with Christ. Let God do the promoting. If you don't get promoted in this world into anything in front of man, consider it probably a good thing. But if there's that one person who God has called you, and it it doesn't have to be 12, it could be one the rest of your life. If that's it, that's it. If it's more, more. If you like fishing with a fishing line or if you like fishing with a cast net, that might just be gifting. Evangelist, like, well, we're gonna, if I can catch one like this, I'm going to catch like, I'm going to throw that big net out there. And... But even Jesus, when he had 5,000 on the hook or netted, he got rid of them all and turned to his 12 and said, do y'all want to leave too? And this is Jesus. This is God as a man. He could handle 12, and really he got close to three when it came down to it. And that's why he wants us. He says, it's better that I leave because now I'm going to send you guys my Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that's motivating me. I'm going to send it to you. Now you can go and multiply. So the platform ministries... I was being raised in it. I'm like. And this was crazy because I was at the pinnacle of the ministry that God had given me, Inter United Soccer Club, back in the day, back in Apopka, when it was becoming, went from 50 to 2,000 kids, and it was becoming the number one club in the state at that time. It was being ranked. I think we were number two for soccer in the state of Florida. Jesus is about to be recognized here. And then my life changed when Kim came into my life as a nine-year-old girl. Now, I had the ministry over here who was going to reach tens of thousands of people, and not over here, but also overseas. And, you know, it's amazing what's happening. We're in China now. And then this, you know, this little South Apopka girl comes over, and the Lord says, give your life to this one. And I knew well enough to say, yes, sir. Even though I'm going, it's not a good plan, Lord. I've got all this stuff to do. Good stuff to do. Give your life to this one. And I did. Open my house. This is how you do it. Open my house. Open all the people who know. Hey, this girl, she's special. Let's work with her. 
took her to all the games that she cursed people out, took her back to for, ask forgiveness, got her up to high school, barely got her to graduate high school because she just didn't want to wake up to do her, you know, she's like, <laughs> like, homework, what's that? Got out of there, you know, it's like, it's like, Jen, did we do anything? She still just barely got through. She's going to college. And then you see that the kingdom of God is like a little mustard seed that goes in, small as a seed. You put it in there and then you plant it and all of a sudden you come back and it is a tree that is giving shade to all this stuff. She reaches more people in one day than I could think about. Right? Hold on. She talks three, she got three conversations going on at once. <laughs> My ways are not his ways. The kingdom of God is spreading further than if I had just done all these good things in this good work thing that looks so good to everybody, to man. And the Lord actually told me two years later, lay it down. Yes, sir. Lay it down. I would go to China and they'd ask, because they knew I was president of the soccer club and I brought all their kids over there. Like, he kept asking me, the athletic director over in Munza kept saying, why did you do that? Why did you lay that down? You were the number one in soccer. Why did you lay that down? He, every time I go, he'd ask me the same question. He couldn't get, you were, you let it go. Like, yeah, it just was time, you know? <laughs> it's like, just time. And so I'm asking you guys, with the, with the platform ministries and this money thing on the line, and us going between both, I am begging to do whatever it takes to identify with Christ and Christ alone as your passion as the purpose of your life. To where anything he says, no matter what he says, do, and you go where he tells you because it's worth it. It's definitely worth every. And I living, and I think Paul was saying the same thing. Everything that you've ever wanted in this life will, the desires of your heart, all the things that he's promised, it's true, it's true, it's true. Jesus, what if he says, it's true. I've tested it, I've been with it, I've given everything, it's true. Every bit of it is true. So Corey, you wanna come on up? Yes, Jen, Jen. Oh yes, please, 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 yes. Corey, come on up. We'll interrupt this program. If you're on the podcast, you do not get to listen to these things. Oh, no, no, I'm going to keep it off just in case. Bye.